but it's just understanding that being good at math translated into equating and seeing how this works in a financial world and especially in a real estate world. And so he was able to dive in and dissect some of these deals and then understand that he was sitting on the wrong seat of the bus. So now he's grown his commercial construction company where he's not taking on any third-party work. He is his own client. You are listening to the Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. And when I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the founder of an award-winning real estate investment firm and actively investing in commercial real estate all over the country. This show allows me to interview, dive deeper, and deconstruct many passive wealth principles, not just from investing, but tactics, strategies, and many fascinating ways in which people have achieved levels of passive wealth. Through my nearly 20-year career as a professional investor, I've built an amazing network of people and come across some super savvy investors. Not only do they have a unique stance on the marketplace, but look at the same problems we all face and many times have come up with a simple but unconventional approach to solving them. This is why I'm so excited for this podcast. It allows me to unpack and have a more in-depth conversations with these special guests. Selfishly, It's a platform where I get to ask the questions that would never come up in a normal conversation, and I get a chance to learn and dissect their best strategies, and you get to be a part of that process as well. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversations, and these amazing passive wealth principle lessons. Welcome to the Passive Wealth Principles Podcast Show. I am your host, Jake Harris. This is another episode of What I Learned. Today, I'm going into the episode of Daniel Casey, What I Learned from Daniel Casey. I got a chance to interview him this summer, a few months ago or a couple months ago. I don't know the exact date in which I interviewed him and now the the delay of when I'm doing this, What I Learned. But uh, Daniel has a a, a very fascinating and interesting story that I, I love. The, the opportunity that I got a chance to interview him. So uh, Daniel grew up in Southern California and then went to UCLA. He got a degree in mathematics and accounting. He actually hacked a little bit UCLA and he wanted to be in business. He wanted to understand uh, and get a degree uh, in the shortest and fastest way possible. But when he looked at it is they didn't offer the, the business degree that he wanted Uh, There was either an accounting background or an economics. And he found out that the accounting background was the fastest one to get him out of college. And so he decided to get into kind of some applied sciences and applied mathematics. And uh, he's had a a similar experience that maybe some other people that I've had and interviewed on the show had is that like, you know, you think you're good at math until you get uh, around other people that are kind of next, next level and, and mathematical. And I think he said one of his professors was like 17 or 18 and it graduated with like a PhD at 13. So when you see that and you see that up for, uh, up close and in person, it is uh, shocking to see how, you know, rain man genius type people are. So uh, he went into, you know, getting into KPMG. So a big uh, accounting firm, and he quickly realized that that is not what he wanted to do. And so he did this, and this is where I find it super, super interesting, 
is he got into construction right after he uh, got out of accounting. And the construction that he got into was bridge construction and seismic retrofit and upgrades of bridges in the Pacific Northwest. To me, that struck me as really atypical, out of the norm. And the reason being is like most people, and at least my background is I started in construction. You start fixing up like a, a kitchen or a bathroom or doing some, a, you know, deck project because, you know, you're, you know, you don't want to be that risky. And so you start small and structural and seismic upgrades of bridges is not where I would think that you would start in construction. And so the fact that Daniel just jumped into that uh, you know, category of construction out of the gate, I think a little bit lends him the, uh, a lens to, into the insight of what type of person he is. So the in interesting thing about that is he said it was public works projects. And when these public work projects is it's just basically who is the lowest bid. The lowest bid is the only one that, that ultimately gets the project. So he's like, well, we didn't have a lot of experience. Um, we had the background and the engineers that would say, hey, you can do X, Y, and Z and weld this here and use this structural steel. And, and so he's like, we just happen to be the lowest bid. And as a small team and organization, we are very profitable in doing that for, for many, many years that grew his organization until really the subprime meltdown. And when every contractor was now competing on public works projects because there was no other work in uh, 2008 and 2009 and beyond, he ultimately closed that company down and then got into doing commercial construction uh, on his own. So he dives into some of those, those details as he shut down in 2010, starting his new commercial construction company, and he started building up his, his company. He bought real estate just as a, a byproduct of needing it for his own office. He needed an office and a yard. He bought the real estate. He needed you know, uh, to a place to, to park his cars. He needed a place to, to have some people, um, you know, working. And, you know, he's, as he started growing in the success of his, his projects and as a, a general contractor, he was able to do and perform higher, pro, you know, valued uh, remodels. And so there was a senior housing or senior living uh, and kind of multifamily uh, developer that had bought this portfolio. And I want to say that it was $20 million worth of, of real estate of multiple buildings in the Seattle Tacoma area. Daniel did the remodel on those. And I think he'd spent like, you know, it was $8 million project. He didn't spend the money. He did $8 million worth of improvements to these particular uh, projects. And so the, the developer was into it, let's say rough numbers of $30 million. However, when he was complete with the remodel, it was worth 50 or $60 million. So they were able to double the value of this asset just by doing this remodel. And so that kind of a light bulb moment, he was like, oh my gosh, I should be doing more of these projects. I should be sitting in the other seat and I should be the one that owns the real estate and is driving value. So he started 
adding additional projects on his own where he was the value add contractor, but also owned the real estate because when he sat down at it as a contractor, he realized that he was only as good as his last project. As he was only as good as his last project, he had to get back on his own hamster wheel and get back in performing to the next project, to the next project, to the next project. When he looked at his own net worth, he realized the real estate that he had purchased and was operating out of was really what had moved the needle on his net worth in that same time period. So now he's invested into, you know, uh, multifamily projects. He's got a small hotel. He's got an office building. He's got another 130, you know, uh, apartment complex that when we you know, recorded the episode was working through that process of the acquisition. So he probably owns it already and he's, it's completed. But it's just understanding that being good at math translated into equating and seeing how this works in a financial world and especially in a real estate world. And so he was able to dive in and dissect some of these deals and then understand that he was sitting on the wrong seat of the bus. So now he's grown his commercial construction company where he's not taking on any third party work. He is his own client. As his own client, he is buying these assets, doing these heavy value add, you know, remodels to them. And when they're worth half or he's adding and doubling the value of these assets by improving them, he then manages them. He does the design aspects. And then it also creates a complementary opportunity because he is working as the owner as well as the contractor is as the unexpected idea or the cost of some of these projects get out of whack, they can adjust it into other areas later and allows them to move much more efficiently uh, in their investment criteria. Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Look, Two of the most common questions I get asked are, where can I find good deals to invest into? And is it possible to invest alongside of our deals as a passive investor? So my team and I wanted to put together an insider list where you can get first access to investment opportunities, due diligence resources, and best practices for those interested in investing passively into deals like the ones we talk about on the show. Those deals are mostly in the commercial real estate space, but I oftentimes get exclusive access to deals of people like the guests on my show. If those deals pass our criteria, we pass them on to those on the list. To gain access to this insider list, all you have to do is go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and hit the big orange button on the top right of the page. We also host events, dinners, and give away VIP access to events that I'm speaking at or attending. Once again, it's www.catchkniveswithans.com and hit the big orange button on the top right of the page. For those that are serious about passive wealth building, we'll see you on the inside. Now, back to the show. The other thing that I found really unique was he is like he's diving into and buying these column class B uh, apartments and garden style apartments in call it class A locations, even though these locations are these, you know, walk ups and two story, you know, uh, apartments and, and the other ones being constructed around him, class A or luxury are five story and have an elevator and and structured parking. What those garden 
style apartments have the ability to offer is unbelievable amenities, walking trails and dog parks and pickleball courses and, you know, basketball courts and just like a resort style amenity because of the land that they oftentimes also possess. And so then what they can do is they can compete with some of these class A apartments in a location because they're, you know, focusing so much on the amenities. This is also one of those key things that I, I like about doing and investing into to multifamily or when you're investing into the amenities is because these improvements are shared across all of the units and increase of value. You fix up one apartment or you fix up one suite, that particular suite may have a higher rent you know, performance. But when you fix up the common areas, when you fix up the parking lot, when you fix up the, the pool or the barbecue area, all of the units get an increase in uplift and value. And then you can enhance that even more by individual units. And this is one of the things that Daniel's figured out how to do in some of these class B uh, apartments. And then the fact that they're managing it uh, as well, that is a, you know, a, a tremendous strategy. And it's kind of like a, you know, a burr method uh, to buy and rehab and refinance and, and repeat, but on a larger scale at, at hundreds and two hundreds, you know, plus units. And uh, it is just one of those awesome, you know, investment uh, thesis of creating unique, you know, amenities and attributes to the particular property and creating these infinite, you know, returns available. As, you know, one of the other things in the episode that we talked about was um, books, reading books, and then also one of the best investment uh, that he has ever done. And I'm going to tell you one of them is one of them is having an off-grid cabin. You know, an off-grid cabin on 40 acres that doesn't have, it might have running water. I don't actually know if it had running water, but it may have just been like it was, you know, uh, out of cell phone range and, and off-grid. And so he's like, I get a chance to go spend time in um, the woods with my family and we get to just kind of connect together and get away from society as a whole. And while it was a very cheap or inexpensive uh, cabin at the time, it has been something that has created, you know, uh, monumental family members together as a whole. And so that is a, a tremendous investment that is not necessarily about the what is the most money or the most luxurious, but it's something that is applicable to him and to his family. So there's a few more details in there. We go into different details of game theory and his other investments and, and specific topics of books that he has found to be immensely rewarding. And actually one of the books I'd never even heard of and I was like, wow, I need to buy that. I actually just bought that the other day. It's on the queue. And, and I plan on, uh, you know, putting that into uh, my routine and my discovery process. And that's what I love about these episodes is that I learn so much information from these uber successful people and how they continue to crush it in life. And they've, they've done things that allow and allow me to shortcut to success. And that's what I look for and, and to give to value out to other people is to shortcut your success, to shortcut, figure out these things that people have already done, these successful, these rich and these wealthy investors, what are they doing? How can you take advantage of, of some of their trials and tribulations and years of experience and decades of experience and then take that and create it a shortened, condensed version? 
So I give this information out to other people, including people on my mailing list, on my insider list, where we give uh, tips and tricks and, and break down detailed components of how do you go from rich to becoming wealthy? How do you stop trading time for money? And if you're interested in those, not only check out the full episode, but sign up for the newsletter at catchknives.com. Sign up for that insider guide. This has been another amazing and fantastic, enjoyable episode of what I learned because of with my friend, Daniel Casey. So go listen to the full episode. If this short condensed version was of value to you and you want to dive deeper and dissect and understand the, the nuance of the detail that Daniel shares on the episode for me, This has been a fun and fantastic episode. Enjoy it and look forward to connecting again next time. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If the episode made you think of someone, go ahead and take a screenshot and share this episode with them. You can tag us or find us as a podcast at Catch Knives or me personally at jake.realestate. For those investors that are listening to this and want to be able to take advantage of distressed investing opportunities, a perfect place to start is my best-selling book, which also happens to be called Catching Knives. It's a full breakdown and guide on how I and many of my partners take advantage of opportunities in distressed commercial real estate. Go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and grab the book there as there's a few book bonuses that I know you'll love. Once again, www.catchkniveswithans.com. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode.